In today's video, we're going to be talking about anti-theodicy. This is going to wrap up our series on the problem of evil and is a very unique and new formulation in recent literature about the problem of evil. The question of anti-theodicy is presented by thinkers like Nick Trakakis, Kenneth Surin and more who argue instead of saying, well, there is some problem with the theodicy, so they don't look at the free will defense and object to that, or look at the soul building theodicy and object to that, but rather what they're trying to say is, well, the very act of making a theodicy is itself problematic. So they're thinking like, well, actually, hold up a second. Why should we bother responding to theodicies when we could just get rid of the entire act of a theodicy itself? So we're going to dive into what anti-theodicy is in this video, so hope you enjoy. On the board, you'll see the four areas of anti-theodicy that I'll be talking about today. First of all, we're going to be talking about three elements of the anti-theodical movement, and then I'll talk about transitivity, which is what I believe the theistic response to anti-theodicy. So first of all, the most important conception that you should have about anti-theodicy is that it is attempting to bridge the gap between the practical and conceptual discussion surrounding the problem of evil. When approaching the problem of evil, there has historically been a recognition of the pastoral or existential problem of evil that we've discussed previously in this series, and the conceptual problem of evil, which is, well, what are the philosophical abstract reasoning behind the potentiality or possibility of God's existence alongside evil? Now, what the anti-theodicist is trying to argue is that, well, Actually, the distinction between the conceptual and practical is a superficial one and a problematic one. So their argument is, well, we should not have this distinction between the conceptual and the practical, but rather combined both of these elements, the pastoral and the, and the philosophical one, purely because every single application or presentation of a conceptual argument has its practical implications. For example, if someone is arguing for the problem of evil, it is very difficult to fully separate oneself from the examples of evil that they use when someone raises rape or when someone raises holocaust or whatever it is. They find it very difficult to separate themselves from this fact. And in a similar way, when you're thinking about, well, actually, hold up a second, what are these things? Well, the reality is, since you cannot separate yourself between the conceptual and the practical, the anti-theodicists like Trakakis and Surin would be arguing that, well, okay, let's get rid of this distinction. This is one and the same. So that is the fundamental premise of anti-theodicy. So if we grant this premise of anti-theodicy, well, where does that leave us? The argument that the anti-theodicists are presenting is that this leads to a moral challenge of theodicies. And what I mean by a moral challenge of theodicies is that the theodicy itself, the act of making a theodicy itself, is morally problematic. So instead of going and saying, well, okay, let us discuss this from a conceptual landscape as I've discussed previously, well, how about, let's just say, well, practically speaking, the morality of theodicy is bad. So this is a very bad idea. To, to talk about theodicies and the problem of evil from a purely conceptual framework leads to, one, trivializing evil, as I'm going to talk about a bit later, and it leads to, one, to, to fall into the trap of moral corruption. Now, of course, that's a very big claim. On what basis do we measure whether someone is morally corrupt or there is some, morale, some moral issue there as well? Well, I suppose the, the broadest 
appeal that they have is an appeal to intuition. They're arguing that saying, well, actually, to try to use a philosophical conceptual framework to describe and argue about the, the reason for why God allows evil is to get rid of all the existential, practical and phenomenological dimensions of the existence of evil. And as a result, it leads to the trivialization of evil. Because evil isn't something which is something which can purely be talked about in a conceptual landscape. Evil is something which is existential. It's something which is very real. It's something that we all wrestle and take, a, take part in. When we're stepping into that shoes of someone who is suffering, we understand that that, real, that evil is a, a real phenomena that they experience. And to purely say, well, maybe there is some conceptual justification for that evil will be to diminish the evil that, that, that they're experiencing and not provide a sufficient response to the problem of evil. Now, the position of the anti-theodicist seems to be quite strong. We seem to be accepting that, well, okay, conceptual treatments of the problem of evil does indeed trivialize evil. And also, we seem to accept that there is some moral problems of theodicy itself. Now, where does this leave the theist? The anti-theodicist will say, well, okay, the problem of evil is unanswerable. However, I object to this presentation. In fact, I'm developing this argument in a current paper that I'm trying to publish is that, well, actually, instead of saying the anti-theodical charge can only be applied to the conceptual theodicies, it can also be applied to conceptual problems of evils. So hence why I call it a transitivity principle. Not only is the charge, okay, if we think about the charge, this is a charge against theodicy, I argue that this is also a charge against the problem of evil. And since the principle of transitivity says, well, if X is, if x then y and then y then z then x then z, you then get the same idea that if the anti-theodical charge is applicable to theodicies and it is true that it is a transitive relation, then well, the morality of a theodicy being problematic and the trivialization of evil is not only applicable to the theodicies but also conceptual formulation of the problem of evil. Now that seems to be quite clear. If we're analyzing the conceptual problem, our presentations of the problem of evil, we soon are we soon understand and we soon know that, well, actually, what we are wrestling here is not just a problem on the side of the theist, but also on the side of the atheist as well. Perhaps what the anti-theodicy is trying to demonstrate is not only that theodicies are a flawed project to begin with, but that problem of evil in a purely conceptual way is also a flawed project to begin with. To elaborate upon this distinction, I would like to raise an example from a book called Sophie's Choice by William Styron. So it's Sophie's Choice. And essentially what happens in this book is that you have a soldier, a Jewish woman, who is subject to Holocaust and is forced to choose between whether her son or her daughter gets sent to the gas chambers. She is put in an enviable position and is forced to make a choice and then she just falls into deep depression afterwards. This is a great example of evil. Now, now, the anti-theodicists love using this example because what they're arguing is, well, how can you possibly use a conceptual theodicy to describe her situation to say, well, okay, your suffering was made for a purely future good, or perhaps that the free will of, of the soldiers, the Nazi soldiers, was an intrinsically good event. Now, the reality and the sadness of the situation is, I argue that the anti-theodicists miss the point because what they're objecting is not the treatment of evil per se in relation to theodicy, but what we're truly wanting to discuss is a trivialization of evil per se. So when, I'm, when we're talking about trivializing evil, 
let's realize that not only is this Sophie's Choice situation providing a problem for theoretical theodicy, it's also pro providing a problem for theoretical problems of evils. Because what the if you're going to apply Sophie's Choice to the logical problem of evil, the LPOE, or you're going to apply it to the evidential problem of evil, the EPOE, you're going to notice that they're both using evil as as the variable in the argument. They're just both using, let's say, evil is is x, and then and then they're basically just going to say evil is x, x is inconsistent with God, so it's not consistent with God. And then, and then basically what they've done is purely reduce Sophie's choice to a mere variable, and as an extension of that, trivializing evil. And due to this demonstration, I would argue that it's very clear that although the anti-theodical charge does make a lot of sense, and is indeed a strong argument against intrinsic structures and assumptions of theodicies, it is also very much applicable to the act of providing theoretical problem of evils as well. So that wraps up our discussion on anti-theodicy and our series on the problem of evil. I hope you've learned some new things during this series and also that the ideas found within are edifying and helpful in your intellectual development. And also a huge thank you has to go to all the Patreons who support me financially to help this channel continuously be run. It is my goal to make the best philosophy and theology content on the internet and provide it in an accessible and affordable fashion. So make sure to support the channel either on Patreon or by liking and subscribing and sharing these videos with your friends. Stay safe, see you soon, thank you for watching and goodbye, I'll see you next.